Surprise! This is uh, the Sunday Podcast. I am uh, one of your hosts, uh, Gary Hill. How you doing? And uh, with you tonight is not Iris, not Suzanne, not Jamie, because this is a uh, kind of a warm-up show to get me back into things, back in the swing of things. Because I want to work this winter, people. I really do. And uh, Lee Russell is here from the They Must Be Destroyed on Site Podcast. How you doing, sir? Good, but I got to tell you, Gary, once is cool, twice is queer. Yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. He's throwing stuff out there, man. Hang on a second. Alright, we're cool. Alright, yeah. Sorry about that. I'll edit that out. Dog, dog got caught in a blanket or something. I'll leave it in, whatever. Just uh, for, for kicks. But uh, yeah, we're, we're here tonight for sure. Uh, all here in the, this Saturday evening. It's kind of chilly here. I don't know what is it, where it is over there. but, uh, but uh, Yeah, it's, it's chilly, but it's supposed to warm up again. It's supposed to get to like... Uh, uh, spring temperatures for a couple days next week. That's that's how you know it's this year. We talk about the weather and all the time to bore the fuck out of you people. And, uh, yeah. But <laughs> if it's going to plague my day-to-day life, it's going to plague everybody else's who's listening to this shit. Yes, indeed. But I'll ask the same question I always ask people when they come on this show or, or guests or regular hosts. Uh, what have you been watching, Lee? Yeah, well, we covered a lot of it on uh, my show last time uh, mm-hmm. you and I recorded together. But um, I got one new thing I'll mention. Uh, I watched from 2017 the uh, Tom Cruise starring vehicle uh, American Made. It's not a bad decision. Huh? I, I like that movie. Oh, do you? Uh, we might have some differences. Well, that's in opinion, okay. Then. I, I, I recall enjoying <laughs> myself kind of, but it was kind of unbelievable. But go on, sir. Well, it is based on a true story, right? It's based on this guy, uh, Barry Seal, who was uh, an air airplane uh, pilot who was smuggling drugs. He got caught, and then the CIA recruited him to be a, um, sort of a double agent smuggling drugs into uh, South America. And then he ended up getting hooked up with uh, Pablo Escobar's uh, crew and started smuggling for them uh sort of on the side in, in, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, on the down low a little bit. And he got caught again, uh, became like an informant for the, uh, D- DTA or whatever. And, uh, eventually died for it. Eventually got assassinated by, uh, the cartel. Um, but, uh, it, on its face, I guess it's, it's entertaining because it's a, a whole thing that's designed to, uh, you know, Hey, Tom Cruise, he's still, you know, he might be in his 50s, but he still looks like a pretty boy in his 40s or whatever, right? And uh, we'll just have him grin all the way through this with his goddamn horse teeth, and he'll be charming, and uh, we'll change enough of the history so that he doesn't look like a total scumbag that you can't get behind. Um, Because uh, the real Barry Seal was just a piece of shit who looked like a used car salesman. He (laughs) looked nothing like Tom Cruise. Cruise. Uh, so, yeah, 
when you know the sort of the history behind it, it it kind of hurts the movie. And and I knew the story, so going into it, I was like, oh boy. And um, I just I was getting a little irritated with it trying to be like the big short or Goodfellas or something along those lines, trying to you know tell the the fictionalized real story and make it like really cool and fast moving. And um, I just didn't buy into it, especially because it got super serious at the end and it didn't really earn that. Like the entire running time of the movie was very carefree. And uh, for the most part, uh, you know, Tom Cruise is going to get out of it in the end, you know, no consequences. And then in the end there, he gets his head ventilated. Uh, So, yeah, uh, it's not the worst movie I've ever seen, but uh, it did irritate me quite a bit. I, th- I think that Blow is a better version of that movie. Mm. Yeah, no, Blow is way better. Uh, and, I mean, it, it it does still do the sort of glamorizing the uh, characters thing a little bit, but uh, at least the consequences are sort of sprinkled through the film instead of just coming up right at the end. Like it, 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 it has a good balance of like real life consequences compared to, you know, uh, sexing up the story a little bit. So. Cool. Yeah. A lot of stuff I've watched, like I can, I can thank nudie for cause nudie, uh, I just love to use his Plex account, which is ample. <laughs> it's, it's filled with mm-hmm. tons of goodies. And I watched, uh, the ambulance, <laughs> With uh, one Eric Roberts and directed by Larry Cohen, and um, oh. this this is a movie in which an ambulance um, kidnaps diabetic people for for no really destitute reason except to say, "Hey, I'm a medical mastermind and I'm kidnapping diabetic people, I guess, to cure diabetes." I don't know, <laughs> but uh, a very still very long haired Eric Roberts, which is the Eric Roberts I know and love, is uh, in this movie. You know, trying tr- trying to get a hold of this girl, you know, of course, and he's looking for looking to get some action, and gets embroiled in this uh, this plot, and in, it involves cops played by James Earl Jones, and hmm. for some reason he works for Marvel Comics, and Stan Lee's in this movie. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. Wow. Uh, it's it's good, you know, for for a very very simple plot, and I I I gotta commend Larry Cohen for taking this this turd of a script. That I don't know if you wrote or not, but in putting lots of New York City in there and, and making it entertaining because I was entertained from beginning to end, and the story itself was not very good, and mm. I, I I I fell into it though. But um, speaking of stuff that uh, is <laughs> is it's, it's not very good, but I watched it anyway, and uh, it, 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 there's I, there's lots of stuff like that though that I could say, but uh. Yeah. I watched the Jerky Boys movie. Well, this was a rewatch because I've seen it a couple times at least. Because I, I saw that once, I think, way back when it first came out. Yeah, Man. back in the back in the nineties, they were a thing. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know if they, uh, I don't know if they play so well anymore in the in these days. You know. Oh, you know the the fruity bastard shit like that. That some of the, some of the the, the and I, I I don't stifle comedy. Yeah, you know, as me long, neither. As, as long as you say this, like, like say stuff and. You don't mean the stuff. It's done for comedy, and I get that. But yeah, stuff like "Hey Fruity Ass" wouldn't work too well now in, <laughs> in, uh, in 2019. But I, I think it's fun. It's got a lot of great character actors in it. You know, you got Alan Arkin in there. William mm-hmm. Hickey, William Hickey shows up, and Tom Jones doing a cover of "Are You Gonna Go My Way" by Lenny Kravitz is always delightful. <laughs> it, if there's a reason to watch it, just to hear him say, I'm the chosen, I'm the one. Just, uh, yeah, it's, it's so good. I, I can't stand how, how surprisingly good that cover of the song is. Um, 
Yeah, that's a Jerky Boys movie, and I I recommend it because because of all the great character actors in it, like just hamming it up. And yeah, it's, it's a real uh, it's time weird. Capsule. It's weird to to recommend the Jerky Boys movie, but I I will because I can. And uh, <laughs> no, I, I remember liking it when I first saw it. So you know, I, I I mean, I had the Jerky Boys fucking tapes and stuff. Like that oh. that was one of the that was one of the tapes in in high school that you know like friends and stuff were like doing dubs of and just like passing around and shit all the time so. i think everybody had at least one that was, that was yeah. either passed down to you or something because um that was like i guess what what begat of of andrew dice clay you know kind of the dirty stuff that you yeah you, your parents knew about that you shouldn't have had, but you had anyway and it's it's there and you know they, I, I understand they made a new album which i i don't understand why they would do a thing like that because they're kind of They've been out of it for a while, so if you're a Jerky yeah. Boys enthusiast, go seek that out. I'm just a mild Jerky Boys enthusiast, you know. He's he's got that Sandler humor, like when Sandler's making comedy albums to me, and yeah, I don't need the whole discography. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just just give me the greatest hits of the Jerky Boys. Mm-hmm. Oh, damn! I forget the name of this movie now, but I watched a Animal Attack movie. And I hope I could find it to tell you all about it because it was quite fucking entertaining. Um, besides that, I watched Scalps, which is a Fred Olin Ray movie. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's 78 minutes long, so I, I'd say, hey, give it a watch. It's only 78 <laughs> minutes long, but it takes you 50 minutes to get anywhere. But but once, yeah. you, once you get there, it's so fucking satisfying. <laughs> <laughs> you don't care about the missed 50 minutes because the last 28 are where it's at. Yeah, Fred, uh... Fred Olin Ray is definitely hit or miss, but uh, sometimes he surprises you with something really good. And and I don't want to give away too much about Scalps, because I think you, you guys should go seek out Scalps. Like I said, it's a quick watch, and it might be on YouTube somewhere. Basically, Maybe. the basic plot of it is, is like, um, it's like a Hills of Eyes type situation. Yeah. Except, you know, white people going to the mountains to go look for arrowheads and shit, and of course <laughs> they're disturbing the, the native land, and the native people come, come alive through them by possessing them. Yep. And then you get like magic for twenty eight minutes, like I said, you know, a great <clears throat> a great shitty looking decapitation and <laughs> guy gets slammed in the back of the head with a with a with a club or something and you see the meat just fly off, you know. Yeah. Oh it's 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 delightful the 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 last part of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh here it is. This is a TV movie from the seventies, of course, called The Beasts Are on the Streets and um Hmm. It, it 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 stars I, it stars people that I don't recognize except for um, Tubbs for, from from Miami Vice in this movie. He's got really long oh. like curly hair. Really? Yeah. But basically, some tanker truck runs into a wall of an animal sanctuary. Runs 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 into a fence of an animal sanctuary, which includes all kinds of animals that probably shouldn't be living together, like <laughs> like like rhinos and like monkeys and uh, there's there's a, a lion. It's a real like you know the mother loses its its cub, so the mother is looking for the cub situation throughout a lot of this movie. Ostriches. There's a great ostrich bit in this movie that really doesn't pay off because in in two in two news reports they mentioned in the movie they mentioned that an ostrich an ostrich an ostrich's kick can kill you, mm-hmm. but they keep showing like the ostrich foot like gonna kick this old lady, but it never it never happens. It's like oh god damn it. But then you remember <laughs> the beginning disclaimer about the humane, American Humane Society being heavily involved in the making of this movie and 
that this is a yeah. 70s TV movie, so you might not get this payoff, but yeah. if somebody died from an ostrich kick, I would pay to watch that, and it'd be amazing. That sounds like it should be the selling point, yeah. It's like, yeah. That, I'd have I'd have that on the cover, like a big ostrich foot coming down to, like, you know, fucking curb stomp some old lady. That would be... <laughs> But there's a lot of good looking real animals in this movie, and it, it's it's an entertaining watch if you could find the beasts around the streets. Uh, hmm. From 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 um, what year is this? From 1978. Um, oh. I, I would I would recommend watching it because it's entertaining, you know. And um, yeah, it, it's it's like a tamer version of Wild Beasts without yeah. the, without that 12 year old girl's titties in the beginning of the movie. And uh, <laughs> who, who wants that? Not this yeah. guy, you know. Like, that's, that's that's an odd choice there, Italian person. Yeah, Just showing that, like, uh, show that girl's titties in the beginning of the movie there. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, oh, I forgot one, because the one you guys did in your show that, that, that I caught, because I was feeling lonely, I need a landmark in my life, so I watched Kitten with a Whip. Mm-hmm. That's, that's fucking entertaining as shit, that you guys are not wrong about that. Um, and Margaret at her, her most cute, most uh, her most devious in this movie, and I... I I appreciate that the the hold that she has on this man in this movie and the hold that she has on this man right here still, you know, I mm-hmm. I'd probably be still be at my knees, you know, thinking about her. Oh yeah. Yeah. She's yeah. she's fucking <laughs> she she's she is everything. A, she is a treasure and you gotta <clears throat> check out this movie because it's pretty good. And um again I won't give away too much about it, but it is uh she she plays a reform school girl who claims to be seventeen but she's probably thirty. And yeah. uh, she 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 uh, she decides to hold up with this politician man and and like uh, ter- terrorize his life and uh, that's about it really you know but it's yeah. a real simple premise and a really good movie so check it out if you if you like um, if you, if you really dig like Russ Meyer's kind of uh, stilted uh, kind of campy almost um, almost like uh, soap opera kind of dialogue and stuff like that that he puts in his movies and you want one of those movies with oh the titties. You'll be in for a good time because you still have sexy and Margaret being sexy, even if she doesn't get nude. You know, so when she, when she calls that guy the the, the man lover, I, I like I like the man. She's calling me lover at the same time, so mm-hmm. there's that. You know, <laughs> yeah. So kitten with a whip, check it out. It's it's a lot of fun, and uh, that's just some some solid recommendations there, and one one pseudo recommendation. Yeah, <laughs> could go go red box that American made movie. You know. Yeah, you, you know, if you can get it for free, you might even want to stick it at the bottom of the pile, but, uh, you know. But um, tonight, uh, we, we, well, we, well, I'll mention first that we, uh, there's a lot of great character actors in the world, and we lose a whole lot of them, unfortunately. One of which we lost uh, at 80 years old a couple weeks back, uh, Michael J. Pollard. Who, yeah. If you don't know the name, you've seen his face in many things. Uh, usually as a, as a side tertiary character, which is... He's a side tertiary, tertiary character in one of the movies we're going to we're going to do, mm. which, is, which is totally by accident. But it's not my fault; it's the poster's fault because yeah, I I assumed that he was going to be the man who was uh, laced with LSD and murdered somebody because he's all over that poster. Yeah, he's first on the cast list. So in typical cinema fashion, I didn't do any fucking research. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because yeah, I was watching it and I was like, when's he going to show up again? Exactly like, right. <laughs> Like waiting for it, but um, I'll ask you, Lee, because this is a pretty pretty important question because his uh his career has gone from literally from the stars and beyond. Because I I watched that pretty terrific Star Trek episode that he was in. Yeah, very, uh, very, very creepy, very, very good. But uh, what are some of your favorite Michael J. Pollard pictures, man? 
Oh, well, I mean, I'm not a big fan of the movie Bonnie and Clyde, but I'm a big fan of his performance in it. So, I mean, there's there's no uh, it's no surprise that he had the, uh, you know, the best supporting actor nod or whatever for that. Um, I honestly one of one of the movies we're going to talk about tonight um, just became one of my new favorites of his. Um, I, I, I like him in smaller roles like uh He's he's in Scrooged at, at, at one point. He's he's got a bit part in that. Oh yeah, um, with, with the great Anne Ramsey and I forget the other guy's name now. But there was a third guy that's pretty pretty famous too. And um, yeah, like the like the first thing I ever saw him in. Maybe this is the first thing you saw him into was that Star Trek episode. Um, I, I, I saw him on TV shows before I saw him in movies as a kid. I understand that he plays Maynard's. Uh, brother or cousin and Dobie Gillis, so I'm interested mm. in going back and looking for him on those episodes. And uh, and uh, I I can't remember the name of the film, but there's one where he he, he stars in a biopic of uh, Billy the Kid. Where that was my second choice for this, well, third choice for this episode. And who knows if I could find it, uh, D- Dirty Little Billy or something like yes. that. Yes, yeah. And then and that's that's really good. Just just from his performance alone, even though he's like 33 at that point. <laughs> um, but he, you know, he's got such a baby face that it's like, he, he's, he's pretty much ageless up until he hits about the 1980s, nineties. Then he starts looking like an old man. Yeah. But um, yeah. And actually I just like his, um, he's kind of the highlight of uh, Sleepaway camp three. <laughs> yes. I, I love pervy Michael J. Pollard in that movie, you know? Yeah. Sugar bear or whatever he says, whatever you know, he says, man. yeah, he gets uh, real good though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, there's, there's a million things he was in. He, he, like he is one of those, Oh, that guy actors, but he's probably one of the most recognizable ones just because he, his face is so unique. Like he's got that round baby face and he's got that big nose and he's always had that. And he's always kind of just looked like a, a 12 year old, who never aged you know kind of thing because and and they actually took advantage of that because he's had roles where he's played like peter pan type characters and stuff like that like he was on a episode of lost in space where he plays a sort of a uh peter panish character that lives in this like mirror dimension that they encounter or something like that i seem to recall um it was a long time ago but uh he he was kind of like um uh, kind of like uh, Richie Cunningham's brother there. Um, Clint Howard. Clint Howard. He's kind of like when Clint Howard was a kid when he was really young. He sort of had that baby face or whatever yeah. until until although he aged much more drastically than uh, Pollard did. <laughs> he went he, he went from baby face to Eagle Bauer in about four four years and yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But yeah, no. Uh, Definitely going to miss seeing Pollard and stuff. Uh, I mean, he was even, I mean, it's no surprise that uh, uh, Rob Zombie would snatch him up for a movie, right? So Little Dick Wick, you know. Mm -hmm. The best part of that Mm -hmm. movie is that beginning bit with him and, uh, him and, uh, oh, yeah, him and and Spaulding, him him and Sid Haig, you know, together again, you know. (laughs) Yeah. I can't use this. She she wrote her name all over it, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that bit's great, you know. Play with his prick. Don't mm. the smell just make you sick? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but no, uh, he's he was a great. He was he was just a. Not only was he you know a character actor, um, he was a great one. Like he he's one that really stood out because like sort of like a, the Harry Dean Stantons of the world, he did his own thing that no one else really did. So 
he, he was kind of singular in, in, in the stuff he did in his roles. And, uh, yeah, you're not going to – you're not really going to see another uh, Michael J. Pollard, so. Yeah, I, I, I didn't see anything because, you know, much like Clint Howard, there's not many things that he starred in where he was the star of the movie. Right. Because he was, he was that much of a character actor, which he where he would just show up in things. Yeah. F- first thing I probably ever seen him in was Tango and Cash. Oh, yeah. And, and it's still one of my favorite roles because they, they give him, they rib on him pretty good. And he's like the Q of Tango and Cash. He yeah. builds the, the big old RV from hell, I think they call it, and the, the guns mm-hmm. and everything. And I, I love, I love, uh, the, uh, his name was Owen in the movie. And, um, Again, lots of side stuff. He was a next of kin, Scrooge dimension, all over the eighties. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm, I'm I'm diving into stuff as we go. And, and one of the like you said, one of the films we're going to discuss tonight. I like both these films, but mm-hmm. the, one of the films where he is the star of that I chose correctly is uh pretty yeah. pretty goddamn delightful. You know, um, yeah, the Star Trek thing I saw later because I I wasn't. It wasn't my. It was a generational thing. I watched Next Generation quite a bit, but I didn't watch a lot of the original series. Right. So I, when I started going into it, and I hit that episode. I was like, it's "Fucking Michael J. Pollard," mm-hmm. and he was creepy as shit with this this Children of the Corn in space thing going on. You know. Yeah. Oh, if you if you don't know what it is, go go look for it. You know, and then. Uh, yeah, look for the episode Miri. It's the it's one of the uh, the famous uh, cliches of the original series Star Trek, where it's like, we don't have the budget to. Uh, to make an alien planet this episode. So, oh, they're going to go to a duplicate Earth that somehow just sprung, sprung up. And, oh, look at that. Everything looks like 1960s Earth. Imagine that. Yeah. It is a great episode, though. And mm-hmm. Like I said, I'm not a huge fan of the... I, I like the movies, but not the original television series. Um, what, what else did I see Michael J. Pollard in? He was in a late-night jam. He did a lot of the late-night jams, one of which I remember more fondly is fast food he shows up in. Oh yeah, that's right. He's in that with Jim Varney and, and yep. Tracy Lords and uh, so so many so many not Tracy Lords. I don't want to wish death of Tracy Lords, but Jim Varney no longer with us either. So mm-hmm. it's hard talking about dead dead people that I love, you know. Yeah, but I mean, you know, you and I are both at that age where all our heroes are pretty much dead or going there quick. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, I, I, I'd recommend just going going take take a dive in because. I'm not the authority on Michael J. Pollard. I just know uh, we covered American Gothic back in the day, and yeah, he's, he's pretty great in that too. He mentioned Sleepaway Camp Three, which is as a movie is not highly watchable to me, but he's great in it. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, there's there's so much there's so much to dive into in his career, and uh, again, he's like one of those one of those guys that worked all the time. So when I and I hate I hate talking to, to, to I hate talking to like non crazy film fans, but to tell them like you know what, you, you've seen this guy in like 20 things, I'm sure. So I show him pictures of them, and when they yeah. show him pictures of me like Michael J. Paul, I was like, yeah, I've seen him in this, that, 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 because he's that much of a versatile actor that he's been in so many things. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, I like doing that. I like showing people who doesn't don't know people by their name, but they know them by their face. Like, yeah, and then, they, then, they're, then they have the same remembering that we're having right now, that they yeah. remember they see him and stuff, and he just worked all the time. He's, he's like... Uh, He's not uh, like Eric Roberts because Eric Roberts worked in so many things, you know, mm-hmm. and is still working in so many things. But um, he's up there, like he's he's like a Berryman. Michael Berryman he had a very memorable face, and then yeah, I I did I I mentioned to people like yeah, Michael Berryman's a really nice guy. And then I showed the picture like yeah, I've seen him in Weird Science or I've seen him in this, I've seen him in that. Like 
Hello? Ah, there you are. Yeah, launch for some reason. Yay. Oh, well. We'll be um, missed, and um, yeah, that's all I can really say about him, because go, go and explore that good old filmography. That's what the, that's what the IMDb is for, people, to, to yep. do some, some hard research for yourself. <clears throat> but the films that we chose tonight, again, you should have done a little more research on the one, but I enjoyed it anyway, so we're going to talk about oh, yeah. it for sure. Was uh, Jigsaw from 1968, and uh, Little Foss and Big Halsey from, was it 73, Lee? It is uh, 1970, actually. 1970, yeah, with him and Robert Redford uh, pairing up in that movie with uh, a very bare-ass Lauren Hutton. <laughs> mm, it's a lot of bare-asses in that movie. That's that's nice. But um, mm. <laughs> here we are. I think we're going to start it off first uh, in chronological order and talk about Jigsaw from 1968 right after this. Hey, feeling down? Feeling low? Not enough podcasts about movies in your life? Why not try... They must be destroyed on sight! The new Podcast Cure-All, sure to get you right with the world and on a path to better living. We have exploitation, we have Italian horror, we have zombies, we have slashers, we have crime films, we have spaghetti westerns, we even have sci-fi and sex comedies. So take a dose of... They must be destroyed on sight! As needed, and let the hosts, Lee Russell, Daniel Harper, Paul Romali, and the odd guest host, Cure What Ails Ya. Warning, may cause atrophy, African consumption, black femur, bone shave, chin puff, colic, cramp colic, dropsy of the brain, elephantitis, grocer's itch, jaundice, mania, miasma, mortification, palsy, pox disease, rheumatism, scurvy, St. Anthony's fire, summer complaint, and worm fit in some people. Consult a physician before listening. Jigsaw from 1968. Um, this is on the public domain. I believe you can find it in the, the, on those, one of those archive websites. Much better than the copy on YouTube. Um, but your, your plot is this. After inadvertently uh, ingesting some sugar-laced with L- LSD, uh, a man wakes up with amnesia in the middle of a murder plot. This is a plot you've heard a lot of. And uh, it's, it's, it's very noir. It's very Hitchcockian. Mm-hmm. But, you know, with, with uh with with some some LS and ether on there because it's nineteen sixty eight. <clears throat> this this uh this has Michael J. Pollard in for about whole the whole five minutes maybe. But um yeah, your stars of the film are uh, Bradford Dillman, who you may know as as Dirty Harry's captain and in, in, in those the Dirty Harry series. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hope Lang, uh, Pat Hingle, uh, the youngest I've ever seen, but he still looks very old in this movie. Yeah, he still looks forty. <laughs> <laughs> Susan St. James and a hey, oh. What, what is, I gotta look for Jimmy Doohan now if I find a better copy of this movie. What? Damn, yeah, he shows up in this movie. Speaking of Star Trek. Oh, okay. But, um, directed by, uh, ooh, he didn't do too much, and I can, I, no. I, I can see, I can see why. But, uh, James Goldstone is the director, and, um, based on a novel called Fallen Angel, and, uh, yep. I'm interested in reading that novel now because this, this film is nuts. Which is, I never yeah. take a lead, if you never know that, I never take a lead on a movie ever, so Lee. What'd you think of Jake Saucer? Uh, yeah, so first off, I'll just I'll just mention briefly. Um, this is a loose remake of Mirage from 1965, uh, Gregory Peck movie, which I have seen. So there are similarities here, although it's not. It doesn't have the LSD plot. Like that's kind of the hook for this one. It's like, oh, we're gonna we're gonna throw in some modern uh, LSD drug culture stuff, um, but it it does sort of retain the uh, the sort of uh, 
Cold War-ish uh, nuclear simulation kind of plot to a certain degree. Because we do, we do get some like proto-war games stuff going on in one scene here where uh, the, the lead guy, he's a scientist at this think tank. And I guess they run like tests, uh, like scenarios for like nuclear war or whatever, um, which is a neat sequence. And there's a lot of neat sequences in this. Um, uh, like, well, like we said, uh, Michael J. Pollard isn't in this uh, a lot. He's got a very small role. He makes the most of it, of course, because this is just him coming off of Bonnie and Clyde, where he got the uh, best supporting actor nod. And I mean, he acts up a storm in what little time he was given. Makes me think this movie might have been filmed before Bonnie and Clyde, or just around the same time. Could have been. Because, and I think this was shelved for a little bit because um, they originally wanted this to be an NBC TV movie. And NBC rejected it. So they decided to throw it in the theaters, I think, kind of riding off the fame of Bonnie and Clyde. And then that's why you see Michael J. Pollard all over the fucking poster and shit. And it's like, oh, Michael J. Pollard, the guy who was in Bonnie and Clyde, who was really good. Let's see him in this movie. Well, blink and you might miss him. <laughs> he's even first he's even first build on the on the poster. Yeah. And I mean if you were if you were watching this in a movie theater and you decided to take a piss break at a certain moment in the film, you might miss him. Like you legit just might miss him. Um but uh man, this is a like like you were saying there's a very uh, sort of noir uh kind of plot to this kind of standard thing, standard murder mystery kind of thrown in there. Uh Hitchcockian like you said. Um and it kind of combines that with this real uh uh, student art film kind of aesthetic because we get all these drug sequences, right? Where the main character and the uh, detective that he hires to find out who he is, uh, both of them end up getting dosed with LSD at some point in this film. And we get a lot of like weird camera tricks and tilts. Uh, the score for this I thought was absolutely excellent. Like just the, the way it keeps you on edge um, because it's very, uh, there's a lot of atonal stuff in it, um, and it's 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 very uh, tense. And um, yeah, I I really enjoyed it. Um, great finale in this one too. Like it right out of fucking left field. You didn't expect it to happen, but it does happen. Like it, it's totally unbelievable. But at the same time, I don't give a shit because this is like a crazy drug movie at its core and fuck it really uh fires on all cylinders by the last like couple minutes of this film i i really couldn't tell you know there are certain parts points of the movie because pat hangel is basically your 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 lead henchman of this movie the lead guy Mm -hmm. and from what it looked like to me and I, i probably missed part of this is that he was trying to get people laced with it like stoned by lsd like your your normal like Add, add, add exec or whoever that would be to, to, to make them think they killed somebody because that's the whole the whole point of the part of this movie is yeah the heat did the whole, the, he can't remember what he did at all he can't remember what, who he is he just remember he just knows this woman's dead and he may be responsible yeah what what it was was uh, Hingle wants um, uh, Bradford Dillman as Jonathan <laughs> Fields he wants Fields job uh, as like the lead scientist in this think tank or whatever right. Um, I mean, you, you, you did get this one scene where uh, Fields goes into work and he's just starting to get his memories back. So he doesn't know how to do everything like they're setting up the war game simulation and, it, and he's, he's basically trying to watch the other people in the room do stuff and try to like uh, 
remember what, what he's supposed to do and he can't. So he tells Pat Hingle's character, I want you to take over lead on this one. And, and the guy looks surprised. Hingle looks surprised. And he's like, well, what's the matter, motherfucker? You know, it's like, don't you, don't you think you can do my job? And Hingle's like, I, I definitely think I can do your job. So it, it, it kind of hints at tension there. Um, but what, what it is, is, uh, Hingle's character is, he's, he's trying to, he's trying to get his lead position in this company and he's kind of like using the, the murder of the mistress of the head of the think tank. And he's trying to pin that on, uh, Fields, um, Bradford Dillman's character. Yeah. Oh God, fucking. Yeah, that's okay. I get around my house too. Fucking Cyrus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, I, I thought it was really. I really thought it was a really plot with that though. And basically, Michael J. Pollard is like the the stoolie, I guess that 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 plants the drugs so he can take them because yeah, it's it's in sugar cubes. This is how I got into them. Mm-hmm. And um, which is you, you see sugar cubes now, but that, that's that's a point in time where in '68 where you would have sugar cubes and. Uh, yeah, uh, I don't know how he links uh, them it, with the LSD, but I, I love. You'd have the, to. I'm sorry, go ahead. You'd have to like make the cubes yourself, I think, for for that to to work properly. Oh, I, maybe you could drip the LSD in liquid form onto the cubes, like soak them. But I don't know if that would be too practical. But. It's like it's like the first edibles, see people. And it, it, yeah. <laughs> Michael J. Pollard has finger on the pulse. It's just uh being being a good dope man there. And yeah, now I, I love that this film takes like like a North by Northwest plot and like mixes it in with like the LSD counterculture because like you said, the way they filmed the film is it's very, it's very like tripped out. Like, like you're almost on that trip in a way. And yeah. there's a great, this is a great club scene in it, which you know, I wish, I, wish mm-hmm. I could find the tracks that were in this movie. And I, I'm going to look for them now and the, the band that did them. And, uh, that's the, yeah, that's I think it was, perfect. uh, I think, I think the, the sort of the, Musical director was Barry Gordy, but there's yeah, there is a band that does a couple tracks for this. That uh, I don't know if they're a real band or not, and if they're just created for the actual, you know, uh, making of the soundtrack. But uh, it's really good stuff. Yeah, that that, that part is enjoyable. But like you said, there's a couple little parts you saw Michael J. Pollard. He was just like like being a worm, and it's kind of yeah. kind of the muscle too, which is kind of really hard to believe. That well, he, he's got that. He's got that other guy with him, right? Yeah, the the, the big guy played by Victor Jory is uh, no, not maybe no, maybe it's his, someone different. I'm thinking of, but um, uh, but he's got this big guy who's the muscle, and and the muscle, uh, you know, he he comes up to our hero in the street, or not our hero. He comes up to the detective because they they grab the detective too and try to dose him and and shit, and he, he comes up to the detective and he's like, you know, you you get in that car over there, and he looks down at fucking pollard he's like hey you ain't big enough to make me get in that car he's like no but he is and then this guy comes over and just beats the shit of the detective and then they dose him and then you have this like point of view of from the detective as he's under the influence of the lsd and he's still getting beaten up and, and you see like the hand sort of like come in slow motion and slap him and shit yeah. like he's getting backhanded yeah yeah without the drugs this movie wouldn't work I, uh-huh. I I think that that's not not a problem with this movie at all. I think this movie's great. I wish I had a like a a much better copy of it to watch, like a Blu-ray or something. Because right. I would love to watch like a, a nice print of this movie because um I really enjoyed myself. But 
without that LSD counterculture or whatever they or whatever these filmmakers thought the LSD counterculture was. This is this isn't the trip, you know, the Roger Corman film, you know. Right. Those people were actually on LSD when they were making that movie. Mm-hmm. This is what Hollywood's version of of LSD would be. Like, you can straight up Manchurian candidate somebody to kill yeah. somebody if you give them LSD because you know drugs are bad. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, Pat Hengel just shows up like he's like we said he still looks forty, but he's younger in this movie. This is nineteen sixty eight. This is twenty years away from Commissioner Gordon, and uh, he just looks he still looks old. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but um, I mean, man, the 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 ending of this one is so good though. Like just just the the setup, like you you don't expect that kind of payoff. Like he Hengel's trying to get rid of. Uh, some of his loose ends or whatever, so he can f- finally frame Fields and uh, uh, have him taken away by the cops. And then it, this chase ensues to the top of the fucking building, and then this character that he thought he killed, <laughs> of the circumstances involved are highly contrived, but it doesn't take away from the fact it's fucking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, you get a great dummy fall at that point, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah. You need that. You need that in your life sometime. A good dummy fall. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, that's it's a solid movie. I I, I I'm gonna ask Lee anything else you'd like to say about it, and uh, what would you give it one to ten? Um, I agree with you. This definitely needs like a, a this needs like a. I'm trying to think of the company that would take this. Probably I, a, I get probably a Kino. Kino, yeah. Uh, like I don't know. If, like it, I know it was a universal film. I don't know who the rights are held by now. If if indeed even even if the rights holders know they fucking hold the rights to this film, um, if someone can grab a fucking good like master of this or anything like anything that's halfway as decent and and remaster it and put it on Blu-ray, I would really like to see it because I, this this would benefit highly from like having its full color restored and fixed and everything because you know you, all those drug sequences and stuff you know there must have been some crazy shit going on color wise and then the the versions that you and I saw were kind of washed out kind of they, they look like um uh sort of like por- pornographic roughies from around the era where they're kind of washed out and they don't have all the color and everything um but oh, yeah, there's, uh, there's points in the version on YouTube where it was, it was just like gray almost. Yeah, pretty much, right? Yeah. So, um, no, this is enjoyable. It, it's not super complex. It's like it's nothing you haven't seen before. If you've seen a, like a lot of uh, noir and murder mysteries and stuff like that, and uh, and the sort of Hitchcockian uh, every man who is you know all all of a sudden finds himself in the middle of this complex. Uh, uh, sort of conspiracy. Um, it's really good though. Like it, it's surprisingly good. And, uh, it's the drug angle that kind of gives it its little extra oomph and it makes it better. And, uh, again, Pollard is good for the five minutes he's in this. And, uh, you know, if you're a completist, that's, that's worth it. Um, I'm going to throw a seven at this. I thought this was really good. Surprisingly good actually. So there you go. I was with it from from the plot, you know, from mm-hmm. the plot synopsis, and uh, I agree with what you said. But like I said, it needs it needs some love, people. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not sure Kino is listening or not, but uh, if you're listening, Kino, you put everything else out. Uh, try to grab this title; it'll probably cost you not much to get because it's, it's in the public domain. Because Lee mentioned you can find it on the Internet Archive pretty easily, a cleaner copy than one on YouTube. So yeah. And um, I'm looking forward to that. 
because I, I really enjoyed it too. Like, like everything we said about them, it's something. This is lots of you've seen before, but the drug angle really makes it work, and it's it's, it's a it's a film of the time, you know, with the whole drug angle and mm-hmm. the you're, you're having a bad trip, man. You you murdered this woman, and <laughs> you know, for an every man, they would believe that, you know, for an actual burnout, probably not so much, but um, we are heads or tails, but um. Yeah, I'm with you with that seven. I I would like mm-hmm. I would love to watch a b- better copy of it. So if I watched a better version of it, <clears throat> I think it'd be bumped up to an eight for sure, just because I'd catch more things and uh, mm-hmm. not squint my eyes. I'm trying to make out people's faces and stuff like that. You know, but, uh, <laughs> it happens sometimes. You know, films get lost. And it, yeah, it, it happens more often than I'd want it to happen. Because oh, I yeah. think I, I think the I'm pretty sure Daniel told me the statistic once like more than half of the films ever made are lost yeah that's that's sad <laughs> yeah but up next we're going to talk about uh motorcycle races and and um shenanigans and you know rivalry or whatnot and uh little foss and big halsey from 1970 we'll get to that right after this Did you ever see a film at such a young age it left you traumatized with cinematic wounds? Ah, necrophilia. Ah, It's a dead issue, man. Don't don't push it. Cinema PsyOps is a weekly podcast documenting an ongoing experiment on the mind of an unwilling test subject. No one should have to watch this movie. Oh, no one should have to watch this? No one should have to watch this movie. Surprisingly, it's not a topic that a lot of people really want to tackle. I'm shocked, Prudes. I know, really. Right? It's the next sexual frontier that no one wants to explore. I am, in the most sincerest of senses, disappointed in you. It takes a powerful goddess like Connie, jam her arm down the monster's throat and kill it. Oh, I'm still tripping out over that. Even as a kid, I was like, I gotta find a girl like that. Every week, I, I get a new look of disappointment that I never thought I could get it's out of here. unimaginable. At 12 years old, you should not be watching this movie. Obviously. At 13, you should not be. 14, you shouldn't be. I'm not entirely sure even 17-year-olds should be watching this Just because you're offended by something doesn't mean that you have the right to demand that it doesn't exist. Watching this film again, I had all of this, like, little nerd glee with everything that kept up. Little history doll popping up at you. So I totally loved this film. Hey, I know why you, you know, couldn't see that. It's because your brain's warped from watching this shit at 12 years old. Yeah, this is this is a rough movie. I told you ahead of time when we were getting ready to do it that it was How did you watch this shit at 12? Because physical wounds heal, cinematic ones don't. Listen to Cinema Psyops. Little Boss and Big Halsey, man, they make a winning team. Boss soups up the engines, and Halsey's a woman's dream. But they keep on moving, moving, moving. Honey, they moving right along. Ain't never found a place, sweetheart, I could really settle and call my home. You know where Jim is? The gym? Yeah, we come to town with the gym and just let me out of the gym. Because I gotta start working out. You know what I wish? What? Somebody asked me what I wish. Okay, what do you wish? I wish that we'd all be happy and be friends and have good luck. Damn it, I'm trying to score points for you, and you're trying to take my chick from me. Yeah, well, uh, she ain't your chick, you know that? Hell ain't your chick. Big lover. (laughs) I knew you'd get yourself in trouble. (laughs) 
Well, you get yourself in trouble. Why can't I get myself in trouble? Hey, because I can get myself out. I've had a woman in every city. I've had a woman in every town. Ain't no need to put your claim on me, cause you're never gonna get me down. I make it a rule never to make no promises. I bet you think that I make out really good. Huh? Well, I don't. I don't. I don't make out good. You know those girls? You think I don't know their dogs? You know, sometimes when drunk, I really think that they're princesses. And I wake up and they're just pigs. I just feed you like pigs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I gotta keep moving, moving, moving. Honey, gotta keep moving right along. I'm on a one-night stand, gal, tomorrow by this time I will be gone. I'm gone, honey. No, daddy done gone. Little Foss and Big Halsey. Uh, this, of course, stars Michael J. Pollard and Robert Redford and Lauren Hutton. And, um, yeah, the, the, the plot synopsis is this. A story of two motorcycle racers, the inept, unsuspecting Little Foss, and the opportunistic, womanizing Halsey Knox. That's not really a good plot synopsis, because you fucking yeah. suck. But it's it's directed by Sidney J. Fury, who gave us stuff like Iron Eagle and lots of other goodies. Mm-hmm. Um, Superman the, 4. Superman 4, yes indeed. <laughs> In all of its uh, Nuclear Man, uh, Gene Hackman voiced action. Ah, Nuclear Man. Oh, give, me, give, me, give me two million. Uh, yeah. Mm. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it, it's a shitty one. Uh, synopsis: Basically, L- Little Foss is an aspiring, you know, motorcycle rider and a great mechanic, who who befriends uh, B- Big Halsey, player Robert Redford, who's is a um, is a, is a is a racer without a license because he hurt himself, so he, he can't race on his own. So his scam is to use Little Foss's racing license. To, to win races whilst Little Foss sits by the wayside and fixes his bikes and whatnot. And, you know, rivalry and, you know, ensues. And I hear there was some real rivalry on set, which is kind of right. adds to the film. And, uh, because they really hate each other, I guess. Uh, Pollard and Redford. And so, if you see stuff on screen of them, like, going at it, it's probably some realness in there. And I love it. But, um, I like this film. What about you, Lee? I love this film. This is great. Um, Nice, nice little surprise. I, I like these sort of. It, it's not really a buddy comedy. It, it, it's definitely a, a bit darker in tone in parts. Like there, there, there are definitely a lot of comedic fun uh, elements to it. But um, I like these nineteen seventies kind of character pieces that uh, sort of dip into some sort of subculture. And in this case, it's the uh, it's the uh, motorbike races and. How you know you go from the regional stuff to like the big race? Like this is something they're they're trying to work their way up to. They're trying to get sponsors and make money enough to get to the big race and get noticed and like get like some big contract and uh, make tons of money. Um, Robert Redford's great in this, tr- just being a sleazy piece of shit. Um, I, I guess this was just after uh, Butch and Sundance and he was trying to like grime up his image a little bit and try to look a bit more rough and tough. And uh, so he, he brings it here. He's, he's not a likable character at all. He's, he's a fucking scumbag. Like he, every month, every minute of his life is grifting somebody. 
Like he's either either selling his girlfriend's body to a fucking pervy photographer just so he can get some a night in a bed instead of his truck. Man, he, he got some hotties towards the Lord Lord Hudson in the shake a stick at, but you know mm-hmm. some of these uh, these motor, these motorcycle skanks were pretty hot. Towards the yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, like the first one, Aaron O'Reilly, um, and then uh, later on the the much more big breasted one, Linda Gay Scott. Um, yeah, he gets him some women. Uh, but yeah, no, he's, he's just this narcissist piece of shit who, uh, unfortunately doesn't think ahead any farther than where his next meal girl or beer is coming from. Uh, like he's, he's just constantly like looking to grift people and, uh, doesn't think for, uh, about a future really. Um, Pollard is fucking amazing in this. He's just this sort of, uh, uh, outcast character. He, he doesn't have any friends. Um, he has two sort of doting parents who uh, probably smother him a little bit. Um, but at the same time, probably the best performances in the movie, I'd say, are Foss's parents. Um, they they got sort of a comedic duo thing going, but at the same time, there's like this sort of deep uh, sadness about their sort of abject poverty they live in. Uh, coupled with their concern over Foss and the the idea that uh, Halsey here is going to be, you know, like using him because he's so naive. And, um, man, this this movie's really good. I mean, we'll get into it. But uh, it, it's got a great soundtrack. It's got a, f- you know, it's got fucking... Uh, <laughs> it, they had me a Johnny Cash. Is all I'm gonna yeah, say about that. Yeah. It's 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 got Johnny Cash performing like pretty much all the songs on this. Uh, some of it's written by uh, Carl Perkins and fucking Bob Dylan for they Cash. Ain't, they ain't not bad, see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's it's very quintessential in a way for these sort of '70s movies where they have the sort of the outlaw country soundtrack or whatever, or the country rock soundtrack. Um, yeah, no, we'll, we'll get into it, but I I like this a lot. I love that you know you listen to like that, I guess like the the main theme song, which is a, a song singing about little Haas and big and big Falsey. Yeah, they make them seem like they're real buddies, but Halsey's just a piece of shit. Yeah, who's just taking advantage of this 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 nice country boy who's really good with his hands, but he's really small, so he he wants to race, but he he's afraid to basically. Yeah, and. <laughs> Just that song, he's like, yeah, you watch it, he's like, yeah, Halsey's not such a nice guy, and he's not nice to his women, he, he treats them like an object, because there's a whole plot in the movie where, um, where little Foss is, he thinks he deserves a chance at, at Lauren Hutton, Halsey, of course, disagrees, because that's his piece of, his piece of cake there, is his, his, his piece of road cake, and... He doesn't even like her that much, he, like, yeah, he, 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 he takes, he, he takes he knocks her... her up, you know, he's like, yeah, yeah. yeah. He just takes her like that's this is what a piece of shit Halsey is. He takes uh Rita Nebraska, the Lauren Hunton character, he takes her away from from Little Foss just because Little Foss is getting uppity, thinking like he deserves to to have a, a little loving on the side as well. He 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 takes her in because he's he's initially like we don't need this chick. Let's get rid of her. But when he sees that uh, Foss is like trying to assert himself and, and become, you know, like an, an equal partner in this thing, uh, he, he takes fucking Rita Nebraska himself and, and uses her just to be a dick about it. He's like a child in a sense, if you think about yeah. it. Like, yeah. Like, a, you, you see me you see me playing with that ball, and I didn't want it at first, but now I want it because I see you playing with it. It's exactly. A, you know? <laughs> 
but yeah, the the the, the stuff that, that you want in this movie is all great. The, the motorcycle stunts are really great. It, mm-hmm. it, uh, I don't quite understand what protection those leather tops they're wearing are, but there's no protection. Like the stunt stuff in this is great. Like I I, I think. I think the, the the leather top thing is just, you know, like to maybe protect you from cutting yourself up. It'll prevent some road rash, yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's just, uh, it's not much padding at all. What we're talking about is like, they have like a, it's not even a shirt. It's like, it's like a button-up thing they did that you can attach to t- your, your your upper torso almost. Think it really the, just covers the shoulders. Think the Legion of Doom and the WWF, you know, yeah. except it doesn't have the spikes on it. No spikes. <laughs> No padding either, really. It's just kind of a leather thing. But, yeah, I thought that was weird, too. Like, again, I I love seeing these, like, little subculture things from the 70s sort of come out. Like, it educates you a little bit. Oh, I've never seen that before. Like, that's kind of really cool. Like, the the, the shit they're doing here. It's stuff I've never seen before. And then, then you get into these races. They're filmed really well. There's a lot of, like, really good, like... Uh, wide shots of this stuff. Um, I'm sure there must have been like a couple crane shots here and there. Oh, I'm sure they like, had because spo- if you look at the end of the movie, you could tell all the, all the bike companies there that were listed. They mm-hmm. probably had high sponsorship dollars to make this movie because all the bikes that were featured in the movie. Yeah, um, like this didn't have a big budget either. Honestly, um, I did get like like I couldn't find any fucking numbers for Jigsaw, and I'm not surprised. Mm-hmm. Um, but I actually. Um, I read a uh, biography on Sidney J. Fury back in the day, and I remembered that <laughs> this movie was actually mentioned in it. So I, I went searching on Google, and I found um, Google Books. Uh, the budget for this was apparently about two fi- $2.5 and they actually filmed um, – uh, they, they finished uh, sort of under budget and uh, with uh, days left on their schedule too, even though this movie didn't really – necessarily make a lot of money apparently it, it kind of made its budget back times two which kind of just accounts for uh advertisement and stuff so it really didn't make any money yeah but it was but it was uh efficient enough that uh, the studios gave Sidney j fury more work after this they were impressed that he you know was under budget and uh and finished early so whatever yeah, there's a point in this movie where he, he does knock up. Uh, what's her name? The Lauren Hutton character. Um, well, he, yeah, I'm sorry. Oh, you're back. Yeah, he he knocks her up, and um, I just see you back, Lee. I'm sorry. Yeah, you were you were gone for like 30 seconds there. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, there's a point in the movie where where he um he, he knocks her up, and uh, <laughs> it's like she has the kid, and like eventually she's just out of the picture. She just leaves and. He's still a good fuck because he he's fucking he's fucking big Halsey and you know, yeah, and um, it, of course there's uh, yeah you, you get a lot of great rivalry stuff. With the, of course it has the end great end of the movie and in which you know he realizes he's nothing without big without little Foss and he's not because little Foss did everything. He was the mechanic. He was everything. So of course they get they get back together in the end, which is what you want in a movie like this. But like I said, yeah, but of course. But they don't really get back together, though. That's the thing. Um, yeah. It's 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 actually got a really downbeat kind of sad ending. Because I, I wouldn't call it sad because you know you you have the, and I, I'm sure you get this too, but you can you can hear the like the audio of of Little Foss kind of being successful in racing. You, you can hear the announcer cheering him on. You know, to, to, to... yeah. But uh, at what price, though? Here's the thing. Um, 
Little Foss learns through his association with uh, Halsey um, to be mi- a bit more of a hard-edged, jaded person. Uh, like, he, he ends up getting with one of uh, Halsey's throwaway girlfriends at one point, right? And, yeah. and, he, and he leaves her just in the same sort of fashion that Halsey left her, um, which is, you know, like, it, it shows that his character has changed to a certain degree where he's been corrupted a bit by... Uh, by Halsey. Now, true, Little Foss is a bit more successful because he actually wins the big race, and so he's going to probably go on to definitely be more successful than uh, than Halsey. But it it kind of feels like he's he's been damaged uh, to a certain degree, where he he he's taken on some of Halsey's worst uh, sort of uh, habits. And he's he's not a good person like he used to be. He's not as pure as he used to be. He was corrupted, and like uh, Halsey, yeah, he 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 gets what he deserves in the end. Like he 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 comes to the realization, and they do it with one of those great like nineteen seventy still frame endings yeah. where you know it just st- freezes on his face where he looks like oh fuck. And and he just kind of realizes I fucked up big time. Like I ruined he, everything. He messed up a good thing. And, you yeah. Know, he, he he made his friend. You know, kind of. And the reason we're calling him little, little Foss so much in the movie is because even his parents call him Little. You know. Yeah. They don't call him Foss. They call him Little constantly. And uh, and l- l- like you said, you know, it's it's kind of a shame for the Michael J. Power character because he's he Little Foss is that he's he's so jaded now from being so betrayed and. I think that they mentioned that one of his one of his I think he, was his father passed away that he yeah. died yeah his father died so I'd imagine that has something to do with you know him being having more anger issues or whatnot but I I, I would like to see a sequel to this movie that'll never happen now obviously but um, yeah it's 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 a it's a picture of the of the time man and that that racing culture and then you get this great although they hate each other they they had great chemistry mm-hmm. yeah that that helped things too and. Um, what, what I think it was, um, from what I was reading, uh, again, on the uh, Sidney J. Fury sort of biography, um, apparently what Robert Redford sort of came in, like, thinking he was the big star, and he was kind of a little a little myth that Michael J. Pollard sort of getting, like, equal billing with him. Mm-hmm. But also, at the same time, there's also stories that Michael J. Pollard was, uh, you know, spending a lot of time... Uh, in alleyways and corners, uh, uh, powdering his nose, so to say. Oh no, no, not that. Yeah. <laughs> so, and apparently Redford wasn't too keen on that. So apparently that was kind of uh, what what the, the the sort of tension between them was. But I mean, performance wise, you, you don't. It, if anything, it just it just helps mm-hmm. uh, the the performances because they have really great chemistry together. Like they they play off each other really well. Man. This movie is the most easiest film to find. I think it's on a DVD somewhere, but it's probably highly out of print. Again, Kino Lorber, we're talking to you. Mm -hmm. Uh, Show it some love, because it deserves it. Um, Rare Lust has it, I believe, right? Rare Lust does have it, yes. I'll I'll endorse it here to say, yeah, because it's not really anywhere else, so go grab that shit. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you're listening to this podcast and you're not aware of Rare Lust, you, you should be... You should have that bookmarked because there, there's like new stuff every goddamn day almost, and uh, there's a lot of stuff you just can't find anymore. 
this being one of them, and that's a, mm-hmm. that's a shame. Like we went to the lost movies earlier, and this is lost to being out of print. And yeah, uh, needs needs some love there, buddy. So he needs a needs a good restoration. I uh, I would buy that. And um, I'm gonna ask you, Lee, anything else you'd like to say about the film? And would he give it one to ten? Um, I did get a kick out of the fact that it's clearly not uh, Pollard doing his stunt driving because uh-huh. the guy who's doing it's much taller. <laughs> um. But yeah, no, this is this is a, a real fun little find. Um, it, it, it's kind of a road movie. It's kind of it's a little bit aimless in a way, but it's a it's a nice character study. Uh, it's got two great performances here and a and a nice bunch of little supporting performances. Again, like uh, Foss's parents, I think are fucking great in this. Oh, they are wonderful. I didn't mention them all that much, but yeah, they they're your classic doting. You know, he's just a little guy, so we got to take care of him. Yeah. Doting parents. Yeah, you can tell. You can tell. You know, Foss is a little too protected by his mother and father. Like even to the point where he's still jaded after his father's death, and he's still like play fighting with his mother and stuff after doing some like test runs on his bike to try to beat his speed or whatever, mm-hmm. um, or his time. Um, yeah, it's it's good stuff. And I mean, I get some Cliff Booth vibes watching Redford here. Although you know, Cliff Booth is a much more honorable stand-up character than Redford's character in this. Uh, but I mean, he looks just fucking like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. so much like him. And you know, he's he's got the big fucking scar down his back. Cliff Booth's got all those scars on his fucking body when he takes his shirt off. So um, that's good stuff here. And and I and I like the fact that Robert Redford shows his ass in this film, where where he basically he you know he's he's going against his image of the good old American boy kind of thing. You know, the the pretty boy and. Uh, all-American guy and uh, just a good guy, quintessential good guy. Here he's just a piece of shit. And he, you, he, he, you, get, you get Redford ass, you get Lauren, Hett, Lauren Hutton, Dan Mir full frontal, <laughs> you know. It's, it's, uh... Yeah, you got some nice-looking women in this, uh, I got to say, man. Uh, even, you know, just the uh, the side pieces from the different races. I liked even more than Lauren Hutton. Uh, they, they look way better as far as I was concerned. Yeah. But... Uh, yeah, no, this is really good stuff. Uh, I liked it a lot. Um, it's probably going to go on my uh, best of list uh, for this year, uh, first time watches, and I'm going to throw a nine at it. Yeah, it's up there for me too. Um, yeah, it's, it's 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 it did everything I set out to do, and I I enjoyed that. I'm gonna give it I'm gonna give it an eight though. I'm gonna, I'm gonna I always say this because I never okay. I only watched it once, and I want to watch it a couple more times. And I would say that. If I watch it again, I'll catch more things, and I, my my rating will go up. But right now, I'm going to give it a solid eight, and a and a big recommend if you could find it. Yep. Like I say, hit that rare lust if if you can, because you can't get it anywhere else really. So I take take that back. You can run it on Amazon for three dollars. I seen that on there. So go. Uh, yeah, but what I wonder what the I wonder what the quality is for that I one. I don't know. I just think yeah. three dollars though. It's, you can rent it and see, you know. Yeah, or you can just do rare, rare lust because generally those are all DVD rips and they're generally pretty good. So you you might get a really dodgy VHS fucking print from Amazon. That's the thing, right? Yeah, but um, yeah, they have those on there, and that's that's a shame. But whatever, here we are. That's the source that they have. And, um... Yeah, yeah, that's that's the source that the uh, uh the the company run by one of the richest men in the world. And they can't afford to fucking source good uh, fucking uh, prints of films. Fuck you. He's got to pay all those lawyers, and you got to pay taxes, though. So I'm not. Gonna yeah, I'm not going to get into Amazon politics, you know. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's it for that one, and we'll come back out and close out the show. 
Hey, did you guys ever notice that podcasts talk about the same movies over and over again? Yeah, as much as I love Friday the 13th, I don't need another show telling me how good it is. Exactly. Same thing goes for Halloween. It's a great movie, but come on, there's other stuff out there. There should be a show that highlights movies that everyone else seems to skip over. Like, oh, I always wanted to talk about Absentia. And I want someone to cover the room. The Skeleton Key's a good one. Then let's just do one. We can call it The ABCs of Hidden Horror, and we'll go through the alphabet talking about our favorite horror flicks that get ignored. Great idea! I know what my first one's gonna be. Join Brian, Dave, and me, Jamie, for the ABCs of Hidden Horror on the Horrorphilia Network, where we might discuss some of your neglected favorites or introduce you to something new. Uh, Lee Russell, thanks for uh, sitting with me and talking about uh, these two, I, th- I think, pretty decent films. Yeah, no. Uh, only one starred Michael J. Pollard, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, again, research people as a podcaster, I should have done more of that, but... I think we got two two good movies out of it. Not, that ain't not bad. So nope. maybe maybe you might get a a bonus review out of me and Lee talking about Lee and I talking about that's bad English. See about um, the Billy the Kid movie, which I'm, I'm interested in watching anyway. So maybe yeah, later on the week we'll release it like solo or something just for, just for you guys to listen to. And, um, yeah, we could do that. But in case they don't know Lee, tell the folks where they can find you. Okay, if you're interested in my podcast, they must be destroyed on site, where we sort of cover a little bit of everything. Uh, we do we do sort of uh, lean towards the more obscure and uh, lesser known stuff. Uh, a lot of times, older stuff, but uh, we, we we do cover a little bit of everything. Sometimes uh, some more modern things, but um, they must be destroyed on site. You go to tmbdos.podbean.com, where you can find that podcast. And you can also find our side podcast where we're doing the Marvel uh, superhero films uh, chronologically. That's called Cape Shit. And uh, that one's not updated as as much. Like, that's just, like, whenever we have the time to do it. And then I have my own little side podcast as well called Blood on the Tracks, which covers uh, movie soundtracks where I just basically pretend to be a radio DJ and play a bunch of uh, movie music that I love. And uh, so if you're interested in that, go check it out. Cool. Yeah. This show and, of course, um, the Two Drink Venom commentaries can both be found on legionpodcast.com. If you didn't notice, Fleas and Flicks did not happen when it was supposed to. I, uh, yeah, it just had a lot of stuff going on. And uh, I would rather I'm rather wait till spring when uh, you guys will have a couple more items for you guys to get that weren't available before, so um, possibly something from, from Mr. Wilford Brimley, so Ooh. look for that. Yeah, that, that's coming. Uh, <laughs> as long as he doesn't give you diabetes. No, diabetes. No. Di- di- diabetes, yes, indeed. But, um, yeah, other stuff, you know, I, I, I had plans to do stuff, and plans fell through because of obvious reasons. People know me, they, they know what's going on. Um, but, yeah, more Sin of Beef coming soon. More Burning for Springwood coming soon. I've talked to Mike Merriman and Suzanne about that. Um, yeah, I, I need to get those done. And uh, those are a lot of fun to, 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 to record and not so much to watch, but fun to talk about. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's about it for this one. Um, and always remember the Send Beef Podcast. If you got beef, we've got the grinder. See you next time. Bye. One, two, one, two.
So I approach with time Suggested he should relax But he's always moving much too fast Said and see me on the flip side On this trip he's taking for Before his first day 